morning, church. It's indeed an honor and a privilege to stand before you on this beautiful morning just to proclaim the gospel of the good news. And I'm definitely excited to be in the place one more time this morning. Before I begin, I just want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife who is joining me today, or joining us today. Come on, give her hand praise. It's all right. And the shout out is this. On yesterday, you know, uh, the women had their Christmas fellowship and she stood here in this spot and she shared her heart with the women that were there. And I was saying to myself, man, I got a tough act to follow tomorrow. And she just did a wonderful, awesome job. And I'm just so proud of her. And just proud to be standing here as well. Don't plan to be before you too long on this morning, so we're going to jump straight to our scripture for this morning and see what God has for all of us this day. So let us turn into your Bibles to Ruth, uh, the first chapter, and we're going to start reading around about the 12th verse. If you have it, say amen. You look there, you'll find these words. Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and offer kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when, no, and when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Let us pray. Oh, dear God, we pause right now at this moment in time, Lord God, to say, God, that we are so grateful for this day that you have allowed us to live and see. We are grateful for this journey that you have brought us on and we look forward to the next part of this journey. We thank you for this opportunity to gather collectively here in this sanctuary, Lord God. We ask now, God, that you would help us to remove any distractions, clear our hearts and clear our minds that we might be able to receive the word on today, Lord God. God, as me, as the preacher today, I pray that you would allow me to decrease, oh God, that your word would increase, God. And God, that all of us would leave here different than the way we came in, God. And God, we'd be so careful to give you the honor, praise, the glory. It is in Christ's magnificent name we pray. Amen and amen. I'd like to start off by stating there are some sermons I get to preach. And then there are sermons that preach me. And in preparing for the theme of hope for the month of December, I began to reflect, reflect back on my life and realize just how instrumental hope had been in my life. 
Now, I will tell you early on, I had my hope in a lot of things, and plus, it was misguided. But nonetheless, it was hope. And I wouldn't dare put any of you on the spot this morning by asking you to raise your hand or to say amen, but think about this for a moment. There are times in our lives that we have put people, places, and things, and we have put those things as hope, hoping that they would change our lives. And in my experience, some of them changed my life, but only for a fleeting moment. And at that moment, I realized that I needed to go back in time in my life to draw on some experiences about hope. And my mind went back to a time when Brenda and I were early on in our marriage. And one day we decided that we were going to sit down and balance the checkbook. And during the process of balancing that checkbook, I began or we began to notice that it appeared that more money was going out than money coming in. Has anybody ever been there before? And so we looked at this thing and, and, and we both agreed that it was time to put ourselves on a budget and kind of rein this thing in. And we, we talked about it. And then as we both agreed, she said these words that caused me to cringe and any new believer to cringe as well. She said, don't forget to include tithes in the budget. And I said, tithes, what's that? And she explained what tithing was. And husbands, I want to go off here for a second. And husbands, there comes a time in every husband's life where you realize that the conversation is over with before you even start it. I got to tell you, I've never gotten, I've never gotten always right. But this was the time I recognized that her stance on tithing, the conversation, was already over. And we adhered to tithing. But what we recognized during that uh, process is that the math just didn't add up. And because the math didn't add up, we had to do something different. And I remember when we had to go buy clothing for our firstborn. Because the math didn't add up, we had to go to the thrift store. And the thrift store had days in which everything that you could put into a paper bag would only cost you $1. Guess what day we went on? And so we went there and we were inside the thrift store because the math didn't add up. And we were in that thrift store and we were rolling these t-shirts and we were rolling everything up so tight to place them in the bag. Our drill sergeants would have been proud of us on that moment because the math simply didn't add up. And we would go from that location, we would go to the grocery store, to the commissary, and at that moment in time, we had to place items in the buggy based on the priority of need. In other words, there were things we needed and there were things that we wanted because the math just didn't add up. And we would get to the checkout line, and I would stand by the counter there waiting for that number to get to a point where I knew we had to stop. And I would give Brenda the signal, one, two, stop. Because some items didn't make the cut because the math simply did not add up. Which leads me to where I want to try to draw in the conversation that we're going to have today about the subject of the sermon. It's around about the 12th, the 12th verse where Naomi says, if I had hope, 
Keep that in your mind. If I had hope, and my subject with you this morning is when the math doesn't work, add hope. When the math just doesn't work, when you've done all the calculations and the math doesn't work, add hope. Now, let's talk about what that means a little bit. And I think before I can go there, I need to give you a little context of how we arrived here in Ruth. The book of Ruth, this story is probably, for those of us who've been around the church for a while, it's probably a familiar story. But for those of you who are new to the text, let me give you a little quick snapshot of what we're talking about today. So Ruth is one of two books of the Old Testament named after women in the Bible. Ruth is a Moabite woman uh, from the land of Moab, and she lives in this foreign land that is an enemy of Israel. Ruth is also one of the few women that are named in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do this morning for today's sermon, you and I are going to listen in on a conversation that Naomi is having with her daughter-in-laws as they talk about the next journey that they have to go on as they experience hard times in life. And I submit to you, church, that you and I, we are living in some hard times. Uh, don't be uh, led astray or misguided by what our athletes, our favorite celebrities, our favorite shows say. We are living in some hard times. Oh, yeah, I get the fact that we are right here in Fairfax Station, one of the most wealthiest counties in America. And Virginia has counties that are voted best places to live. But I submit to you, none of that keeps us from experiencing hard times in our lives. Or we live in a culture that will cancel you in less than a half a second. They will curse you for saying bless you. Or we live in times where saying Merry Christmas can get you fired. It's hard times out here, y'all. I, I particularly think it's hard time for parents, and particularly parents of small children. And the reason I say it's hard time is before you can get them on the bus to go to pre-kindergarten. It used to be high school, used to be middle school, used to be elementary, used to be kindergarten. Now, before you can get them on the bus to get into pre-kindergarten, the world rushes into our living rooms with all kinds of things that I can't even explain. It's hard times. Well, Jeff, you, 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 you laid all this stuff up out about hard times. How can we remain faithful or how can we remain hopeful in hard times? I believe the answer to that question lies within the text today. You see, from my perspective, this is a fascinating story to kind of dive into, if you will. It's a story about a woman who is going through some hard times. She finds herself smack dab in the middle of a famine. And as a result of that famine, her family has to relocate to a foreign land. And while she is in this foreign land, her husband dies. And I believe the text indicates that over a period of 10 years, both of her sons die. And there is Naomi left as a widow with two daughter-in-laws that as they navigate this new, new space that they find themselves in. 
And Naomi, at some point, begins to do the mathematical equation of her situation. And I believe she starts that mathematical equation off when she says, if I had hope. But she says, I'm too old. And not only am I too old, I want to add the fact that I don't even have a husband into my situation. Then I want to add the fact that if I do get pregnant, it's going to take at least nine months for, you, for me to birth some sons. And if I birth some sons, it's then going to take at least, the text doesn't say it, but it's going to take at least 18 years or at least until they're grown before you can marry them. So she put all these factors together, and at the end of that equation, she put the equal sign. And when she did the calculation, she said, my life is bitter. She says that God is against me. Now, I know it's easy to go ahead and analyze Naomi's point and conclude that Naomi had a lack of faith. But truth be told, we all have our Naomi moments in life. Am I right about it this morning? When we sit back and we look back over things and maybe we want to be a certain place in life or maybe we want to do a certain thing in life and we begin to add it up and sometimes we come to the conclusion that life just isn't fair. Maybe it's the job, maybe it's the house, maybe it's the relationship, maybe it's your health, maybe whatever it might be, we might come to the erroneous conclusion that life isn't fair and that life is bitter and that God is against us, but there's hope for all of us in the word of God. But this is how Naomi arrives at that conclusion. And, I, and I'm on this side of this, that Naomi is my shero. And the reason I say that is because I know that this book is written after Ruth. And I know that when you read the remaining chapters, all of these amazing and wonderful things will happen in Ruth's life. But the reason that Naomi is my hero or shero is because she keeps it real. She speaks what's on her heart and what's on her mind. And what I've learned is that we serve a God that can, can deal with what's on our heart and our mind. Oh, think about it for a second. When she's lost all of these things in her life, it's not hard to understand how she got to a point where she felt like life was bitter and that God was against her. So that's why Naomi today is my shero. Because I believe we got to keep it real with each other. Are y'all hearing me this morning? When life throws us challenges, we got to remember that there's still hope today. Ah, and we see Naomi breaks it down a little further. As she's having this conversations with her two daughter-in-laws. And she tells them to go back. And one of them says... Deuces, I'm out. <laughs> the other, she said, no, I'm not going anywhere. Because where you go, I'm going to go. Where you die, I'm going to die. I believe that we all can take a lesson from Ruth. 
And I believe that we all need roof-like people in our lives. We need roof-like people that will speak life when we think it's not life. And she begins to say these things. And sisters, I submit to you that you need sorrows and girlfriends that will be like Ruth, that will go with you to your doctor's appointment and say, I'm going to journey with you on this journey. Sisters, I believe that you need sisters and Ruth that will help you when you go through parenting challenges, that will say, I will struggle with you when you struggle on this journey. Sisters, I believe that you need Ruth-like sisters in your life, that even when you face with a divorce, they will say, I will go to the courthouse with you. I will stand with you and I will journey with you on this. And I will keep hope in your spirit. Brothers, I believe that we need roof-like people in our life. That when we get the results of a PSA and the numbers are going up and we feel real fearful that we're all by ourselves, we have another brother that has that mentality. I'm going to journey along with you. I know you're struggling as a father, but I'm going to journey with you. And the God that I serve is the God that you can serve. Because there is hope today. We must recognize that in all the things that we go through in life, God is still yet on the throne. Sometimes what the world throws at us will make us think, what in the world is going on? This is where I've learned to find the answers to all of life's challenges. It's not on my news channel. It's not from the friends on my social media feed. It's not from Instagram or any other kind of gram. It's from the word of God is where we find this hope. The text talks about when Naomi was in her darkest moments. When she was at her darkest moments, God sent her hope in the form of a woman named Ruth. And when you and I were in our darkest moments or in our darkest time, God sends hope, and his name is Jesus. That hope is the lily of the valley, our bright and morning star, our wonderful counselor, our healer, our provider. That hope that says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When others walk out on you, I will be there with you. That's the hope that keeps us moving forward. We need that hope. You see, when I go back to Naomi, when she talks about life being bitter, I can relate. You see, I grew up in a very bitter environment. People said bitter words to me. People did bitter things to me. And I grew up thinking that life was going to be bitter for me. I thought that there was no hope for me. But I'm so glad one day at a little church on top of the hill with that old preacher in Ansbach, Germany, say, come unto the Lord. He can give you rest. He can give you hope when you feel like you're hopeless. And from that day on, my life has been completely different in Christ Jesus. We need roof-like people, not roofless people. In our lives, 
We need people that when we're feeling down, they'll say, taste and see that the Lord is good. When we're feeling bitter, they say, oh, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That's what it means to have hope in Christ Jesus. Think about this for a second. Naomi, how did she feel when she heard Ruth says, I'm going to stay with you? Ruth is probably the least likely person that you and I would have thought would remain. Let's state the obvious. First, she's an in-law. And then she's of a Moabite descent. But she says, I'm going to stay there with you. And I believe that's the essence of where we need to be with each other as we face these challenges that have come to 2022 and where we're going in 2023 and beyond, where we stand with each other. The Bible has so many amazing stories about when the math just doesn't add up. For when I look back at the Red Sea, when it had all these people, mathematically, there was no way they were going to be able to cross that water. But when you add God to the situation, oh, he can work it out. When they collected two fish and five loaves of bread, and someone says, how are we going to feed all these thousands of people? Add hope. His name is Jesus. When Lazarus had been dead in the grave, not one, two, not three, but four days, mathematically, there was no way he was going to come out of that grave. Add hope. When they pierced him in his side, and when they hung him on the cross, and when they sealed the tomb, mathematically, it looked like everything was over. But I'm so glad that on the third day, he rose from the grave. And because he rose, we have this hope in our lives. I believe as they talked about the, the expectation, the eagerness of looking forward to what God is doing and can do in our lives. And preparing to close, I want to circle back to my introductory story where I talked about Brendan and I and we did the budget. What we recognize back then and even now, that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And in recognizing that, we never gave up hope. Our children never went to bed hungry. There was always clothing to be put on. There's always been a roof over our head. When you trust in God, when you never give up hope, when you never let the naysayers call you from serving the Lord, when you never let the numbers make you give up hope, that's the essence of where you and I need to be in God. Because when you look at the numbers, they don't always add up. Statistically, I shouldn't be standing here before you now. Mathematically, I shouldn't be standing here before you now. But by the grace of God, that hope that he sent, that I hope that you and I rely on, I'm standing here simply by the grace of God. So, my friends, that's the message I want to leave with you today. 
Whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, when it feels like it doesn't make sense, when it feels like you might be in despair, or you might be getting to a point where it might be bitter, taste and see that the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And that's the kind of God that we serve. Would you stand with me?